Andrade picking down from the back of the scrum. Oh. Did he get it down? Tried to the Brumbies. Gets one right up the backside now. Beal, he kicks, the chase is on. Phipps is getting there and he wins the race. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fox Sports Rugby Podcast. Uh, I'm joined here in the studio by Stephen Hoyles, uh, the former Wallaby, former Waratahs and Brumbies captain. How are you, Horsey? I'm well, thank you. Not as good as Sean over there in Vancouver, but I'm doing well, Sam. Yourself? I'm well, I'm well. And uh, like you say, we've got Sean Maloney on the line from Vancouver, Canada, where he's uh, very excited following the Sevens team around. He's, he's watching ice hockey. He's been skiing today. Uh, he, he's living the good life. How are you, Sean? Sammy, I feel like I have been taken to by baseball bats. Snowboarded for the first time today, and it is hell. Hell. Spent a lot of time on the tailbone for the first couple of days on the snowboarding, don't you, Shawnee? Yeah, tailbone and on the knees too. All of you, a bit of time on the knees there, trying to get set and get up and about. So uh, that was tough. Uh, and that comes off the back of Vegas last weekend, where the Aussie Sevens team were outstanding. In winning through the final, and it was only one moment, one moment in that game that cost them the victory against uh, Fiji, and that was a, a Quade Cooper turnover on the Fijian line. I mean, on the line, Fiji go the length to, um, to set up a, a match-winning buffer, and that was that. But a very good performance from the Aussie men's team. They have turned the corner. We know that the Aussie women's team are number one side in the world at present, and the men's team are making some huge important steps. Yeah, they've got a lot of competition as well, don't they? Uh, Sean, we've seen for this tournament in Vancouver, they've mixed up the squad. Um, the, the competition for places is still wide open, isn't it? It is. It's some great depth. Uh, you can, I mean, out goes, goes a couple and in comes, you know, veterans like Chucky Shanna, Louis Holland comes back in as well. So there is some, um, some depth there, which perhaps hasn't been there in years past, which is so important in timing that run towards Rio, uh, Vancouver's going to be tough this weekend. The Canadians are in that pool. They're going to be, they're going to be up for it. But uh, I tell you what was good to see, guys, and uh, for our listeners as well, that uh, the likes of Brian Habana and Clay Cooper, and like Sonny Bill Williams before them, and now Liam Messon too. It is very, very hard to go from 15 back to sevens and be an automatic match winner. These things take time, and it just shows you how good. The seventh game is. Well, do you agree? Yeah, I, I do. I, I also believe with what you're saying about the depth, it's the first time the ARU have really pumped in some time and effort and resources to having a larger squad. Squad of about 25 now, so you're taking 12 to each tournament. They they can afford to send players home here and there. We're still trialling out some combinations. There There is a fair few players that have come on board, so... And as a result, I think we're really improving in some key positions. So we've struggled for the last couple of years to have a really dominant forward ball runner. And I think Sam Myers is putting his hand up and saying, hey, I, I can do that role. So that's a, a big step forward for the Aussie boys. And the likes of Quade Cooper and Abana and whatnot, of course they've got an experienced history in 15s and World Cups and they've done a lot of things in the 15-a-side game. But it will take time in the sevens. So that's the only risk that I see with the likes of Henry Spade and Quade Cooper just... Are they going to leave their run a little bit too late to to get to Rio and be absolute standouts in the set, in the format of sevens? Yeah, I thought Quade Cooper, considering, Quaid, considering it was his first Quaid, tournament, yeah, he did Quaid pretty well, some, didn't he? Um, Quade had some Quaid had some great moments uh, in amongst some you know Quade type things. So uh, he he can sort of iron out those those things. I mean, in, his, in the game against England, 
he put the most ridiculous, stupid kick in behind the defence, straight to the English sweeper with no all he's chasing, and he scooped it up, tipped over top and scored. So it just shows you how quickly you're punished in sevens, you know. You're going you're gonna to pay every time. But then on the flip side of that, I mean, he did some amazingly beautiful things with ball in hand, and uh, his kicking uh, after that was wonderful. So it's, uh, it's trial and error. And, Holby, you know he's got, he's got a good sense around the game. If he can just keep it heading in the right direction, he's going to bring... I think he might just bring enough to that side to uh, at least put himself in the mix for Rio. Well, you don't like players to be conservative if that's not their nature. So we know that Quaid brings you know, a bit of yin and yang. So I, I think it's up to the side to be able to be prepared for when he does make mistakes. Just he gets scrutinised more than everyone. There's players out on that field that that make a couple of mistakes each game and no one talks about it. But because it was Quaid, it gets scrutinised and it becomes the, the turning point. Like he in that game also, when the pressure was on, I thought he, he, he stood up and he put a kick in about 65 metres, turned the Fijians around. It just showed his maturity at a certain stage in that game. Unfortunately, the Fijians then got a roll on. And as disappointed as it was for the Aussies not to win that, it was nice to see the Fijians get a result after the, the tragedy of the cyclone a couple of weeks ago. And you see how much that means to all the people in Fiji. So, overall, Australia can be happy with that Sevens tournament. They go to Vancouver. Now, what they need to do is try and back that up and, you know, be top three, top two again. So, the challenge has been set. They lose a couple of players, but they bring in the likes of Stannard. So, you're over there, Sean. How do you think they'll go? I think they'll go well. I'll tell you what, uh, it was interesting seeing them get around on that Astro field turf now. So, that's... They were a bit sore off the back of that. It was hot, obviously hot out in the desert in Vegas. Quite jarred, so they're taking it easy this week. Uh, well, we're talking about players coming through. I mean, you, you speak about Sam Myers, Another two that are really worth keeping an eye on, um, particularly this young fella, Alan Farlaval, who is a little gun, and um, he's delivering some big moments for this Aussie Sevens team. And Con Foley as well, another... Big guy getting around the park doing good things. I think they'll go well, but uh, the challenge is always backing it up week on week in a seven tournament. You know, six games across the weekend last week and set to do it all again this time round. It will be tough, but I tell you what it will be, boys. It will be amazing. Under the roof here in Vancouver, and this is a special city. They've sold it out. It's going to be absolutely heaving. Yeah, they've sold out the, the whole tournament, haven't they, in Vancouver, which is remarkable. Um, I mean, what's the rugby scene like over, over there, uh, Shawnee? He wouldn't know, mate. He's been on the ski fields and ice <laughs> hockey games since he got there. <laughs> no, they, they, they're, they're a rugby smart town, and it's a rugby smart country. So they, uh, they're going to go berserker. Their women's team are currently ranked number two in the world, so they've got men's and women's interest, which is always beautiful to see. And uh, I expect to, uh, to really really explode in Vancouver, fellas. It's exciting, isn't it? Australia are now genuine medal hopes uh, in the women's and the men's. Uh, you know, the women's team are favourites for gold, and, and the Aussie team, you know, we thought they might uh, be just off the pace, but, but, but they're really firing, and it's just a matter of now going to that next level and, and being able to win one of these finals. What, what's that going to take to take that, that extra little step, do you think, Sean? Oh, well, I mean, it was, uh, there's been two key moments. I mean, this is how tight these two teams are in Sydney. It was one key moment with uh, Henry Spate and Tommy Kingston. Actually, it was two key moments at the back end of that one. Henry Spate and Tommy Kingston uh, doing what they normally would not, and that cost us victory. And, and then on the weekend, it was just Quade's turnover on the line, which which cost them there. So, I mean, it's there. It's there. It's just, that's how tight. That's how 
much a knife edge seven broker is, you, in a final in particular, you're gonna you're gonna pay if you um, if you cough up, and that's what we've done. So if they can keep them out, Sammy Worthington, they should be sweet. Good stuff, Sean. Well, how are you going for time over there, mate? Do you, you have to get away uh, to an important sevens well, I've meeting? Got to run. I've got to run. I've got to go meet the uh, meet, uh, ex-Canadian legend of the game, Gareth Reeves, who is uh, the chair over here of the, okay. um, the organising committee and will be commentating this weekend. But before I go, I'm going to let this be the segue to you guys. Why on earth did the Queensland Reds not end it at the back end of Super Rugby last year? What a waste of an off-season to then carry it two rounds into the competition. What a waste. The worldwide coaching search that uh, that came up with Richard Graham, and now they're going to have another worldwide coaching search. You're on a worldwide search yourself, mate, so if you see any potential Reds coaches over there in Canada, let us know. <laughs> they're going to go through right, a very, very well-documented procedure and review and governance restructuring and all that garbage. They're going to go through that Spare for the next me. five months, and they'll come up with a decision sometime between now and next February. <laughs> Exactly right. Oh, hey, hey Shawnee, yeah. uh, right, thanks for your I'm, time, I'm, mate. No, no, I'm off to this. I'm also off to the NHL tonight. Which will oh, beat it, mate. Don't want to hear anything. Off you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we'll carry on. And Sean's left us with the red situation there. And we were talking uh, off air before. It is a mess, isn't it? Um, that's the only way to describe it uh, with, with what's happened. I think we'll probably both agree that the right call has been made with Richard Graham moving on it just wasn't working out but what, what have you made of these these moves over the last few days Steve? Yeah I try not to be too negative about the whole situation and you try and look and say well yeah they've drawn a line in the sand last week everyone heard in the off season that Richard Graham had four to six weeks to prove his doubters wrong and get some results and yeah they were a little bit proactive this time of year but I just think overall they've just been far too reactive and they went through such a long process last year to find a new coach they came up with the same coach. It hasn't worked. I'm just really concerned that now the CEO goes. I think the chairman stood down. I just hope that we're not talking about this in four months' time. Like It cannot take three or four months to find a new coach when you've just gone through the process only a matter of months ago. They need to you know, step out of the office boardroom and make some decisions at the Queensland Reds board because Richard Graham's the fall guy. Yeah, he's had an unsuccessful time there, but... The surroundings in that environment are obviously really bad at the moment, and I just hope that, that we're talking about a new coach in two months' time, whether it be Matt O'Connor or Nick Styles, or there it be someone else completely. They've just got to deliver the bad news to whoever misses out and get on with it because guys want to start worrying about their future. You've got players coming off contract. They've lost Liam Gill as a result of all this mucking around over six months, so how many more quality players are they going to lose as a result of mismanagement up there? Yeah, yeah. Like, it is crying out for someone just to take some decisive action, but it's not going to happen. I think they've, they've said that you know it's going to be a, a three-month uh, sort of search. Um, yeah, they've already got these names surely sitting there on file from, from the process they went through last year, so wh why do they need to go through the, the, this again? And I feel a bit sorry certainly for the players, but also the coaches that they've got there now, Matt O'Connor and Nick Styles. It's, it's not a great situation for them either, is it? Because they, they both clearly they want the top job, um, and now they're you know sort of going on trial almost against each other when, when they're supposed to be pulling in the same direction. So, yeah, I mean, how are they going to make this work? Do you think? Well, I don't think anyone knows to be honest. They they made they both applied for the job last year. Nick Styles and Matt O'Connor, they missed out. They would have been disappointed with that, but they still accepted to stay on with Richard Graham. So now, yeah, they've been told go and go and make this work while you're both applying for the main job. 
and one of you is going to miss out. Potentially both of you will miss out. So there's going to be some disappointed faces. But the, the thing that makes it even more complicated is the fact that Jim Carmichael has announced that he's going to stand down. And he, he's come out and said that he decided last year that he wasn't going to stay on. I find it staggering the fact that he knew last year that he waits to February and he stays on till October this year. How does an organisation wipe the slate and how do, how do young stars of the game that are off contract, maybe in New South Wales or Perth or Melbourne or Canberra, how do they go, yeah, I'll go to Queensland because they need players. They need to sign and recruit and, and re-sign players. So how do these guys show any faith in an organisation that, that simply hasn't got any idea where they are at the moment? Matt O'Connor, I've never talked to the guy. I don't know a huge amount about him. But just looking purely at his CV, it's quite impressive, isn't it? He's, he's obviously earned his stripes here in Australia, then went abroad, um, cut his head coaching teeth with, with Leinster and Leicester. And these are seriously big clubs, big operations. And he had you know, some good success there, winning silverware with both. Uh, you, you've worked uh, with, with Matt um, at the Brumbies, I think, when he was, would have been running the backs. Um, your thoughts on him and whether he could be a, a super rugby head coach? Yeah, I've, I've got a really high opinion of Matt as an attack coach. That was his role when he coached me a, a long time ago in Canberra. He's got a really good approach to the way the game should be played. I, I don't think he's completely behind the attack the last couple of weeks. Looking at their starter plays over the last two weeks, I don't think that's the way Matt O'Connor would have coached. I've seen Carmichael Hunt hit it up from the, the halfback off a line-out twice in a row, turnover twice in a row because he had no, no clean-out support behind him. So they've had really basic starter plays in the last couple of weeks. And I have the feeling that, that he probably now has a chance to, to change that and we'll get a, a few weeks to see how he goes. He's a good coach and, I, and he's a very driven coach. I read an article this week, might have been Nick McArdle, that said you need to have a dash of prick in you to be yeah, a yeah. head coach. And with all due respect to Matty, he has got that and I think that's a good quality in him. He's a strong-minded person. But at the same time, Nick Styles is very similar as well and he's done a good job with their set piece. I believe he coaches their line-out and their scrum, which has been excellent the last couple of years. But I believe he also coaches their breakdown, which is one of their their huge issues they need to address. So, yeah, both capable of, of being a head coach. Matt O'Connor's the one with more head coach experience. So um, I also think that Matt would have come over and on the – I'm assuming he would have been taking the job coming to Queensland with the hope that if Richard were to move on, that he's next in line. But you don't know what's been negotiated in individuals' contracts. I don't think it's a great situation they've got at the moment with two head two co-coaches. I um, that's just it is a stopgap and I think players players don't respond well in those situations like in my time in, in playing the game it works best when you've got a coach who is clearly in charge and he's the boss and, and that's what good coaches have done over the years you've seen Michael Checker do it you've seen Eddie Jones you've seen Ewan McKenzie at the Reds they come in and they, they are clearly the number one and people report to them and it, with co-coaches I just there could be a bit of lobbying with you know players not, miss, not getting picked in teams they tend to go and talk to assistant coaches and Assistant coaches are a little bit the shoulder to cry on, whereas head coaches are the voice of reason. So uh, I'm not certain that the co-coaching setup will work. Yeah, we saw it with the Brumbies, didn't we, with Laurie Fisher and, and Stephen Larkham, and it worked. So it seemed to work okay there, but in reality, Laurie was probably more of the head coach, and Steve was was uh, learning the the craft underneath them. So yeah, and a very different squad as well. That's what you got to look into. The Brumbies had a lot of players that had been at the club in key positions for you know three, four, five years' time, and and Laurie's had a huge amount of experience as a head coach and assistant coach. So different circumstances. They're still crying out for a bit of uh, a bit of direction in their midfield as well. So. That's the big issue for the Reds to, to mine. I think a big difference at the moment, you watch Dave Hortz at the Waratahs, came through the same age group as Jake McIntyre, both 10s. Dave Hortz plays a bit of 12. Dave's had the luxury of jumping in at number 12 for the Waratahs, outside Kurtley Beal, inside Rob Horn, 
he gets to dip his toes in a little bit and you know he gets glimpses he pl- he's played two full games and he's played really well but Drake McIntyre's been thrown in Nick Frisby's played a lot of halfback but mainly off the bench and then you've got Samu Karevi or Carmichael Hunt outside him just feel that someone like Jake McIntyre could do with uh, a little bit more experience and guidance in the midfield up there and that's a bit of an issue for the Reds at the moment You've got Brad Thorne there as well uh, in the background working with the young forwards I mean he's a guy that you'd think you'd get involved with that senior squad because it is quite a young pack they've got anyway you'd think that you'd get a guy like him with all his experience working a bit more hands on but that doesn't seem to be happening either so it's a, a very complex situation up there We've just seen the team uh, being named as well uh, hot, hot off the press with, with the Reds there and, and Goromaru benched, Carmichael back to fullback, uh, a few youngsters who you've probably watched in the NRC getting getting a chance. What, what did you make of that lineup, Steve? Yeah, Seth Angusi and White Setu is Seth Angusi is the loose head prop, and he'll start his first game. Andrew Reddy, the hooker, will start his first game, and off the bench looks like coming Matt Murphy, a young hooker, came through Nudgee College, and Seth, uh, White Setu. They're they're very good footy players. Those young guys. They had a, a really good couple of seasons with the Brisbane City or Queensland Country and NRC. Seth Fungus is a very good ball runner. Uh, I believe his scrummaging is pretty good for a young guy too. So they just need a little bit of... They need some more more ball carries and a little bit more spark out of their forward pack at the moment. So you've got Greg Holmes who holds up the tight head side of the scrum really, really well. But what they need is a... Um, Seth Fungus, I think, you know, you can't put too much pressure on a young loose head, but he's a really good young young front rower throwing the likes of Tong and Thor who's in their system they've got the players there and young Murphy who'll come off the bench so I'm excited but I just think they still lack a little bit of experience in the key positions and they've, they've round three they've already made a fair few changes to their, their starting side you, you never like to see that I know it's new coaches this week and they get to pick the team as they like but Goromara who's the picking bench. the team that's the other big question I assume that maybe O'Connor's picking the backs and, and styles the forwards maybe but yeah there's so many unanswered questions up there at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I actually can't see the Reds get themselves out of this hole, unfortunately, this mm. season. What, what about this weekend, though? Do you think there will be a reaction from the players? It seems like when you, when you do make that coaching change, you do to get that immediate uh, bounce back from the players. And do, do you think you'll see a bit of fire and passion from the, from the guys this weekend? I think you will. One of the main criticisms, and Daniel Herbert said it himself, was they just had too many players that looked like they weren't interested out there. The, the energy levels are really poor. There was a lot of walking on the field. And that happens when you don't know where to be and what to do. So firstly, they've got to tidy up the way they play the game. So when forwards are fatigued, you've got to make it as simple as possible for forwards. So when they're fatigued and running back to chase, chase kicks, or they've got to know what their next role is. And if they don't have a specific job to do, that's when they get lazy. And there's no excuses for that. So I think there'll be a spike in energy and a, a change in body language and all that sort of stuff. But I'm just not convinced that the quality in the squad at the moment is enough to get him out of this hole. Yeah. It's remarkable since moving over here, I possibly didn't realise just how passionate and how big the Queensland rugby fan base is. You know, they, they traditionally have got great crowds, um, you know, brought some amazing players through, John Eels, Tim Horan, all, all those guys. Um, and, and they're really hurting up there, aren't they? So let's let's hope they can uh, pull it together against against the Rebels, who we'll move on to now. Um, back, back from South Africa now, they've got the draw from hell, I reckon. They've had to go over to South Africa just for this one game and then come all the way back, which is, is quite unusual. And, and they've got a horrific injury toll um, as well. So I, I was tipping them to make the playoffs at the start of the season, but uh, the things don't quite seem to be going their way. What, what have you made of the, the Rebels over the first two rounds? I was I tipped them last week to beat the Bulls. Mm. They've lost a few key players. They haven't had Sturzaki yet. Hopeful they'll get him this week. They've got Debrasini back, but they've already lost... 
They've lost their young Hodge, their yeah. utility back. They've lost Nike Harris, who's kind of like the glue in that side. Colby Fanger. Colby Fanger. Yeah, so they're losing some key players. They did they did buy pretty well in the off season. They've got a fair bit of depth, but look, round one you don't read too much into that. That was a pretty ordinary game over in Perth. Conditions weren't great. Their big turning point last week against the Bulls was when Adam Thompson dropped it over the line in the corner, which would have put them up 8-3 after about 20 minutes. They ended up conceding a, about 35 unanswered points from there. That was a howler, wasn't it, for oh, poor uh, yeah. Adam? He never did anything like that in your career? Uh, no. Not I that bad. No. Oh, well, look, I, I probably did, but it just didn't get the exposure that, that Adams did. And, you know, he's a, a big signing for them, so he'll be disappointed with that. Just a turning point in the game. You think if they, got, they went in the lead there, they could have held on. But Pretoria's a hard place to win games of footy. They'll be excited to get home and play there first game at home and they're playing against the Reds so it's it's probably a, if anything it, it, it's probably a chance the Reds could ambush them a little bit I'd imagine this week yeah I think that'll be close because yeah not an easy travel trip and, and they are a bit banged up the Rebels so yeah an interesting game we'll, uh, everyone will be glued to see how the Reds uh, do bounce back but yeah we'll We'll kick on to uh, the Friday night game and uh, one of one of your old teams, the Brumbies, flying high. They head all the way across across the big continent uh, to play the, the force on Friday night. Uh, is that going to be a, an easy one for the, the Brumbies, do you think? On, on paper, they should be too strong. Uh, it's not an easy flight, to be honest. I remember a time we flew over there and got in trouble from the host, air hostess <laughs> for um, we were standing up too much on the flight, funnily enough. So yeah. they said, you've got to sit down. And a few blokes like Rocky don't like sitting down. You sure that's all you were doing? No one else, no, you know no one else was playing up? We had the feds meet us when we got off the flight <laughs> because a few guys stood up when they weren't meant to. When all over the news... The feds got involved. The feds, yep. The oh. Australian Federal Police met us at the airport. We all had to get spoken, spoken to. And there was reports that we were drinking alcohol. It was a 9 a.m. flight. Like, that was not happening. But... Um, that, that rattled us as a, at the Brumbies at the time, and yeah. hopefully that hasn't happened again. Hopefully they were well-behaved on their flight. It was Rocky Olsen's fault because he had yeah. chronic back and hamstring issues. He wouldn't sit down the whole flight. And I'm going to have to look the story up. I yeah. uh, don't recall that. Google no. it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was only it was 2010, I think. But back onto the game, I think that the Brumbies are in a much better position. They're going really well, the Brumbies. They're playing some fantastic footy. They were challenged last week from the Tars. You just saw the class when the game became tight. Every time we got close, they just kept edging in front. So for me, the force have made a few changes. They bring Ben McCowman back in for the uh, for Angus Cottrell. I think he's been a bit unlucky. He's a, he's a good young footy player over there. And uh, Although their back row has been good with Stunder and Matt Hodgson, they get to bring in McCowman. But for mine, I would have liked to have seen Angus Cottrell start again. Peck Cowan, I think, is he playing? I think he's been dropped down to the bench right, along with Nathan Charles. So, yeah, yeah they've, so they've made uh, some shaking things up a bit. They've gone with the, the Mickey Arthur rotation policy <laughs> over there. I'm, I'm not sure if it'll work, but the plays they've brought in, you look at the team on paper and it's still a very classy side. So mm. this might be a chance that they can play some good footy. They've had two games in pretty humid conditions, one in Perth, one in Brisbane. It looks like it's going to be the same over there. So we're still waiting to see this expansive style of footy from the force, but they'll be a bit, bit more confident having beaten the Reds last week. What about the Brumbies? Um, clearly a great start to the season. Uh, are they the team to beat now? Um, you know, they, they just seem to have all bases covered. They can play different ways, and, and Stephen Larkham seems to be moulding the side in his own image. They obviously had to transition from the, the more stodgy style that Jake White had, and, and I think Steve was sort of caught in between a little bit there as he transitioned. But, yeah, th this team just uh, seems confident, experienced. Uh, they've got no weak links that I can see at the moment. No, I think you're spot on. Everyone said at the start of the season that they should be favourites and the first two weeks have, have proven why everyone said that. They're a class outfit. You've, you've got your big names firing as well. That's the big thing. You've got young props that are Alan Alatoa and Big Les uh, along with Scott Sia and Ben Alexander. Then you've got your Steve Moore who's in 
career best form at 100, a game 152 this week. So the big one for me, I said it a couple of times, will be Christian Lealefano. If he fires this season, they'll go a long way to winning it. He's such an important player for that team. Tavita Kundrani, he's so reliable, he's so effective. He always does his job, as does Tamua. Leofano is the, the piece of the puzzle that really needs to fire. He's been outstanding for them for the last couple of years, but I just think he's got more in him, and I hope that he realises that because he can be such a dynamic player on his day, and, and I think the confidence of him being co-captain with Steve Moore, his first two rounds have been outstanding. His defence is good, his work at the breakdown's good, and his running game, well, we know what that's about. So, yeah, for mine, the Brumbies are, are the favourites. The Waratahs will improve. That's, that's one thing for certain. They're a relatively new side, new coach, new style of rugby, but... The, the Brumbies, not, not much is new for them, so they're in a good position. Yeah, the thing that impressed me about the Brumbies in that win over the Tars was that David Pocock, uh, he didn't probably have his best game, that the Waratahs negated them quite well, but they still won comfortably in the end, so they, they can skin a cat in multiple ways at, at the moment, which is quite impressive. And, and Lilia Fano, I think uh, he was very unlucky to miss the World Cup squad, wasn't he? He was just probably a victim of a lot of players in that position with Tamua, Bill, Cooper, but yeah, I mean, he, he's a, a test quality um, 10 or 12 isn't he he is and, and he's had the opportunity to, to suffer the disappointment of a World Cup uh, non-selection and he's had the chance to go and do an off-season so he's probably in a really good frame of mind as has Ben Alexander he, he's played 60, 70 tests and he hasn't been mentioned at all so he had an off-season where he went to work on the things that he was told to work on so these guys they've just they're probably at a stage where they're just saying enough's enough you know We've been good enough for the last two or three years, but good enough sometimes hasn't got us the result. So it's, it's a little bit like there's just that little bit extra in their mind at the moment where they'll stop at nothing to win. So going through the Tars in 2014, you sense that a lot of the senior players in the squad are in a really similar position. The likes of Adam Ashley Cooper, Tatafu, Cliff. These guys were into their 30s playing some of the best football of their career, and that's what it takes. You, you can't just rely on the, the youth and the experience of the... Oh, sorry, the youth and the energy of the 23-year-olds, you need your senior players to stand up, and that's what the likes of Moore, Leofano, Pocock, Fardy, those guys will do that this year. And there's a sense of urgency there as well. I think there's a lot of them moving on um, yep. next season. It's now or never, isn't you, it? You can tell that there is that urgency, and then they realise this is their, their window to do it. So, yeah, they're a huge chance if, uh, if the injury bug uh, stays away. Curtly Bill, uh, we'll move on to him. He's been in the, the news for an absolute mega offer from Wasp, so I think about 1.5 uh, million Australian dollars or, or something like that. Uh, looks like he, he's probably going to take it. Um, the, the, the good news is, I guess, from the Wallabies' perspective is that he's, he's met the Giddo clause. He's played his 60 tests so that he can keep playing for the for the Wallabies. It's the money on offer now. It, it almost It's just a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, if, if you or I were, were offered uh, even a third of that, I think we'd be, uh, we'd be heading wherever, Timbuktu. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal, a huge offer from a good club as well. That's important for Kirtley to go to a club that I'd much prefer to see him playing in the Premiership than I would the top 14. Kirtley has done so much in the last couple of years and he owes a lot of that to Michael Checker. He's you know bailed him out on a couple of occasions and not only that, he's brought the best out in him. His last couple of years have been outstanding. It's not often you hear people saying Izzy Folau should be behind a certain play, but people were talking about Kirtley in that regard last year he was the, the the reason he wasn't starting the world cup was probably because he was so good off the bench and we needed someone that could change a game and his versatility he's played 12 for two seasons straight at the waratahs outside bernard their relationship's been outstanding they, they really have a good feel for the game together then he stepped up and played number 10 the last couple of weeks his game against the reds was 
as good as I can remember at, as him playing 5'8". He just reads the tempo of the game so well, his decision, his passing under pressure. So from a, a player who's got that much talent who can play 10, 12 and 15, he's going to get big offers. That's the, the way the world of rugby works. And if Kurt's got to go to, to set himself up for life and support himself and his family, then, then good on him. He's given a, a lot to Australian rugby and he won't be lost, more importantly. As you said, he's played the 60 test. I would love to see him stay. But for guys in, you know, rugby's a small period of their life and not only from the money he can make in that time, probably the experience he can gain going overseas with his partner and having a really good life experience, that, that, that helps guys generally. So if he goes, it'll be a loss to Super Rugby, but who knows? Like He, he will hopefully go over there and improve, and he's still young enough to go and come back. The 60 tests uh, figure that they're going with at the moment. 60 or 16? 16. Oh, 16. I, I paid 16. <laughs> I thought it was 16. That's a, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah, out of, out of the loop, yeah. yeah Dave Dennis will be in the same boat as well, unfortunately. Yeah, poor Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do you think that's the right balance, that, that number of 60, or do you think it's going to go down the path like I think the Springboks do, where they just pick anyone regardless of how many how many tests? Where, where do you see this going, Stu? Uh, initially, I, th- I believe the 60 test is probably a good a good figure because it it rewards the players that have given at 60 tests and seven years service, I yeah. believe. So having that time is a good thing. It, it gives the guys that have given service to the game almost a, a thanks and you've earned it. Whereas if we have guys that are leaving at the age of 20, 22, that have played 5, 10, 15 tests, then it becomes, it, it takes away from the quality of Super Rugby. We've got to be really careful that the, that the product of Super Rugby stays strong and with five teams in the competition you know 10 years ago we only had three now we've got five we've we've got a couple of foreigners in mel a couple more foreigners in melbourne and perth and than the other three states do so we're still not fully uh fit we're not we're still not fully providing five full rugby teams from australian talent so we've got to continue to grow that but if we didn't have get out that world cup if we didn't have kane douglas or drew mitchell like those three guys on their own were we're outstanding. It, it allows us to get Sakopi Kepu back, who's left a huge hole in the Waratah scrum. We've seen that. It allows Adam Ashley Cooper to play test footy. And we need the Wallabies to be strong. We're in such a tough market here in Australia with rugby league, AFL, soccer. We need the, the Wallabies to be strong and we need Super Rugby to be strong. So at the moment, while I, 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 don't, I don't rule out the, the fact that there might be changes in time, it might come down to 30, 40 tests or five years, what, what not, but... Michael Checker made this rule to try and get the best Wallaby squad available for the World Cup, and he did that. And, yeah, if it means we lose a couple of players here and there for, for Super Rugby, well, I'm okay with that as long as the Wallabies can maintain their, you know, or, sorry, not maintain, but continue to climb the World Rugby rankings. Sure. Yeah, I think Michael Check is heading over to Europe uh, shortly to, to meet with all these guys and work out who's doing what and who, who he can pick. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah, just to be clear, it's definitely 60, not 16. <laughs> Mate, well, uh, well, Chet, you're, you're the one working at the AAU, yeah. so maybe you could have a, have a word with I someone. I might be able to crack the database and just That's change it. that 60 to just 16. Just a couple of, yeah, let me know, mate. Yeah. That'll be a good scoop for I me certainly as covered well. the seven years. It took <laughs> me about 12 years to play 100 games <laughs> so of Super Rugby, yeah. We'll sort that out this afternoon. Hey, uh, thanks very much for joining us today, Halsey, and uh, thanks Sean Maloney over there in Vancouver. You can uh, listen to his dulcet tones on Sunday and Monday from the Vancouver Sevens as Australia try and go one better. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week on the Fox Rugby Podcast.